Welcome, everybody, to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 19 here on January 14th, 2021. Man. And here we are again, my co-host Mike McKenna and I. How you doing? We need more followers. That's what I was told prior to the show. So I need you to go out and get all your friends to listen to us as well, okay? Otherwise, we're going to stop talking and nobody wants that to happen. Okay, so uh, yet another week uh, in 2021 without uh, a shortage of drama. Uh, one, I guess we'll just get the big thing out of the way. And let me start out with with a little intro song. <laughs> He's been impeached again. <laughs> He's been impeached again. Uh-huh. Donald J. Trump impeached for the second time. Yes, we are old white guys who listen to Phil Collins. <laughs> Expeditiously this time. No hearings whatsoever. Simply Straight to the floor of the House of Representatives. This time, however, he picked up some Republicans. Um, she, I should say. Yeah. Uh, Speaker uh, Pelosi. Which, you know. Oh, and and also promoting Eric Swalwell to the impeachment manager position. Yeah. So there, there's, you know, so the, so the, you know, the first time around, um, last year when, when one of your co-hosts was working this issue for the, for the White House, um, we were very anxious to make sure that it could not be described as a bipartisan impeachment, right? Um, so we um, worked hard and did not lose a single Republican. And most of that credit goes to a guy named Ben Howard, who ran the House team. Um, and sure enough, how did everybody leave? Everybody led the stories this morning two ways, right? One is that um, it was a bipartisan impeachment. Right. And the other was there are fractures in the Republican Party. All right. Let's just let's just cut that for a second. Right. Um, One hundred ninety seven Republicans voted against this um, impeachment. Ten voted for. That that's was all it. they need. I know. That's all and, they need. And by the way, it's it had the been, most had it been it's one the guy. most crossover for an impeachment since in ever. So, of course, Bill Clinton and Donald Trump make up three fourths of the total impeachments. Uh, in the United States, in the history of the United States, but nonetheless, it is the largest crossover. You know, in, in the, fun, for the funny thing is, everybody's always concerned about all the stuff that President Trump has normalized, right? And the truth of the matter is, this is the most important thing that has been normalized while he's been president, and the Democrats are responsible for it, right? They have normalized impeachment. Yeah. It. Um, one of the newbie Republicans. Um, Marjorie, uh, yeah. rep representative something other than some uh, Taylor some Green, Taylor Green, yeah, yeah, from Georgia, uh, she announced she's going to file articles of impeachment yeah, the day um, after the guy yeah. gets inaugurated, and and I get the sentiment totally, but I wish she wouldn't. It, it's the genie's out of the bottle on this. Yeah, story. and it's not good. It's just not good. And you know, but the, honestly, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't blame. <laughs> there's it. a lot Joe Biden. <laughs> there's a lot to look at there in terms of the. Um, uh, uh, the the okay so this thing helping out the siblings yeah all of it this and all the, that other the, stuff. but this thing I mean it you know incitement to an insurrection we have a situation where neither incite neither piece of that neither the incitement nor the insurrection has has even been alleged yet by yeah, federal authorities right. and 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 here we are well you pointed out too that the even the the I think you said CNN. 
CNN, yeah, CNN reported um, that the FBI had anticipated this a week before and had told everybody that the riot was, in fact, pre-planned, uh, which would make a jury of any normal citizens wonder about the incitement part of this charge, right? Um, sure. It's, it's, it's like inciting somebody to eat breakfast, right? Yeah, well, the great unification uh, is, has begun, right? That's... Unity is what unity is to the left is get on board with my program or else. Bipartisanship in this town is crossover to the left or else. I mean, every time, and Republicans seem to enjoy playing the role of the stooge in that relationship. So. Well, I, let's give let's give credit where credit is due here, right? One hundred and ninety-seven Republicans took a very tough vote um, at a very tough moment, right? And I'm not wild about the way they defended their vote, right? A lot of them were like, well, it's just divisiveness in the nation. We need to heal and all that other stuff. I'm like, forget that. The um, What they should have said was, I don't think either component of this thing's been proven, right? They should have just gone directly after it. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that the president is a great man and that he's never made a mistake, but there's a quantitative difference between um, not being a great person in all circumstances and criminal behavior. Yeah, uh, and, and and you know, but they, but 197 ultimately did the what I think is the right thing. And um, you know, the terrible thing is is that Speaker Pelosi is every bit as um, um, unhinged as the president. If is, not right? worse, if, if not, not worse. more, yeah, because yeah, uh, threatening to find members of Congress. <laughs> For what? $10, walking through a mag. For, for, you know, for potentially not walking through a mag, yeah, I, I, which, by the way, I think is a violation of the Constitution. I think. Well, who knows, right? You can't oh, unilaterally impose a, 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 a fine she, against an elected representative. It, you know, she's in her last. She's in yeah, her last it, term, and yeah, and you know, so there's no there's no range. But here, the thing is, um, she's put the Democrats in a terrible spot here. And I don't think anybody sort of has thought about that, but at least not anybody on the Republican side. There is nothing to look forward to in the next two years. There will be no moment where President-elect Biden says, enough is enough. We have got to get back to some normalcy. These The, the Democratic Party has a serious problem in that they have uh, the grips of power um, – by people who have been here forever, yeah, man. who have no sense whatsoever about what is going on in the real world. And the, the people that are biting at their heels are, in my view, equally unhinged oh, yeah, yeah. in terms of reality. So th this will not end well. They keep saying that Republicans are fractured and this and that. Uh, what did you say? You saw your your good buddy Frank Lunch did a poll. Yeah, Frank came out of I, I, Frank came out of the field, and he was. He, I picked it up on Twitter this morning. He was tut tutting that ninety percent of um, ninety percent of Trump voters, I think ninety one percent of Trump voters would vote for him again, and only five percent would vote for Biden. So, what does that make his base now? About sixty million. About sixty. You know, and I think it's probably less than that because of the way that Frank teed up the question. But you know, I've estimated. There's no way it's less than 25 million, and it's probably 40 million is the right answer. So it's somewhere between a quarter and a third of all voters. That's a lot. That's probably more than anybody else all by themselves, right? I mean, you know, President-elect Biden um, holds a little bit better than half, but if he wasn't the head of the Democratic Party, there's no telling how many he'd hold, right? So, yeah, I, 
I think we're going to return to something that looks like regular order, but never like what it was before, right? All right. So, um, look, bottom line, you know, I don't know what the Senate's going to do. Um, well, you know, they're hearing back and forth that so there well, may be a, a, a trial. There may not be. Well, there certainly won't be one before he leaves office. Um, so I don't know how you can make it go away at this point. Well, it, it, it's worth. I, I have seen other people say, this is great. We're going to have a trial on the Senate floor. Oh, I think you have to have a trial. Then now. we're going to adjudicate some of this election stuff. Yeah, I, I think, I, truthfully, I think, I okay, there's only three possible pathways here, right? Um, uh, pathway number one is Speaker Pelosi gives the articles of impeachment now or soon, and the Senate starts its trial on the 21st, right? Because um, the Senate is absolutely required to start a trial. That is, that is not they cannot weasel out of that. Um, scenario number two is they wait till April or May or whatever and hold, you know, hold the articles and then cough it up to the Senate. Okay, um, we're still going to have a trial and it's still going to pop a three to six week hole in the Biden administration's plans, um, legislative plans. Uh, option number three is Chief Justice Roberts refused to play along, right? He just says, I am not presiding over a trial because I do not believe that um, impeachment is for private citizens, right? It's to remove federal officers. Um, I don't know what happens then. I don't know if the Senate decides to have a trial anyway and, and gets, <laughs> Without Roberts. gets somebody, somebody else to preside so over it. What's the point of even having this, this wonderful thing that we call a constitution well, and checks and balances if everyone just decides yeah, screw all these well i mean robert roberts politics. has himself roberts has himself a case right that, i know but it, but your point is if the senate proceeds with a trial anyway oh, yeah. without the chief justice presiding over the trial then see I, where does the justification for that right see I, I think about it slightly differently than a lot of people i think we should have a trial i want to hear the case for incitement yeah, I want to hear the case for insurrection. Now. Right, because so far what we've got is we got ourselves 60 or 70 people who have been arrested, rioters, protesters, mobsters. And you know what? With reports that this was planned well before Trump's speech. Right. You know how many of those guys have been charged with insurrection? None. Yeah. Right. They've been charged with low level A and B, A and B stuff, right? Assault and battery, unlawful entry, yeah, trespassing. I mean, look, I'm not diminishing the ridiculousness of this. Again, I, I just I want to Trump's behavior either, but this is not this is caustic. It is it's pointless. Completely cheapened the the yeah. the, the whole process. Cheapened the currency. You know, th this is the thing that this is the thing that always surprises me. Members of Congress for the last 15 years have been on a jihad to erode their power, right, to, 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 minimize, to eviscerate the, the right. power of the legislature, to, to devalue their own Thank currency. Thank you. I've been on this beat for so many years now. To devalue their own currency, and this is just another example of it's it. A, you just you become. You, it's a, you're a it's a joke. Yeah, is what it is. A cartoon character. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna wrap this up because I just don't want to talk about it anymore. Oh, I'd love to talk about and it all day. I. I can't believe that I'm longing for 2020 at this point. But here's here's a we we featured this individual one other time, but uh, I thought this was a, a nice summation of what of what's going on. The gentleman from California Three. is recognized for two minutes. Okay, four minutes. Excuse me. The gentleman from Ohio, in control of the time on that side of the aisle, wishes to yield four minutes to the gentleman from California. Correct. Yes. The gentleman from California is recognized for four minutes. Thank you, Madam Speaker. You know, I didn't like the president's speech on January 6th either. 
I thought he was wrong to assert that the vice president in Congress can pick and choose which electoral votes to count. He was wrong to set such a confrontational tone in a politically tense situation. But what did he actually say? His exact words were, quote, I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard, unquote. That's impeachable? That's called freedom of speech. Now, he also threatened to oppose candidates in future elections. And by the way, that was directed at Republicans like me who resolved to uphold the constitutional process and protect the Electoral College. Well, so what? That's called politics. If we impeached every politician who gave a fiery speech to a crowd of partisans, this Capitol would be deserted. That's what the president did. That is all he did. He specifically told the crowd to protest peacefully and patriotically. And the vast majority of them did. But every movement has a lunatic fringe. Suppressing free speech is not the answer. Holding rioters accountable for their actions is the answer. And we are. And if we prosecuted BLM and Antifa rioters across the country with the same determination these last six months, this incident may not have happened at all. Now, short of declaring war, the power of impeachment is the most solemn and consequential act that Congress can take. To use it in this manner, in the heat of the moment, with no hearings, no due process, many members phoning in their votes after a hastily called debate exactly one week before a new president is to take office, trivializes this power to the point of caricature. The Democrats have won everything in sight, the House, the Senate, and the presidency. In a republic, that calls for magnanimity by the victors. Only in a banana republic does it call for vengeance. Benjamin Franklin warned us that passion governs and she never governs wisely. In our passions this week, we've set some dangerous new precedents that will haunt us for years to come. Yesterday, we redefined intemperate speech as a physical incapacity requiring removal from office. Today, we define it as a high crime and misdemeanor. Well, the moment any member of this body gives an impassioned speech and the lunatic fringe of their movement takes license from it, be prepared to answer to this new precedent that we established today. Now, I could cite plenty of provocative speeches made by Democrats that directly preceded violence this summer, but we've already had enough of that. You know, after 600,000 Americans had perished in the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln appealed to the better angels of our nature. He said, with malice toward none, with charity for all, let us bind up the nation's wounds. Those words were so important to the unity of our nation, they're inscribed in marble at the Lincoln Memorial. I cannot think of a more petty, vindictive, and gratuitous act than to impeach an already defeated president a week before he is to leave office. President-elect Biden's promise to heal the nation 
becomes a hollow mockery in the harsh reality of this unconstitutional uh, act. The God help our country. Expired. The gentleman from Ohio reserves. Yeah, you know, Tommy McClintock is, is you know, moments like this, I don't want to say crisis because I'm not sure it's a crisis, but moments like this bring out um, the people that God intends for them to bring out. And Tommy's one of those guys who's come out and just, he's been a star. He, if Kevin McCarthy were smart, um, he would call up Tom McClintock before he did almost anything of substance and say, Tom, what do you think here? Because he, he's just level-headed, wise, and very, very, um, has, has a lot of foresight. It's a big if. Big, big I, I don't expect it. Tom uh, McClintock was the last great hope for the state of California when he ran for governor at a time when, you yeah. know, they still, Republicans still had an outside chance of potentially sneaking into the governor's mansion. It's very unfortunate. Yeah, you know, I've only got to know him in the last six months, and, and I have to be honest with you. I've known members for 40 years now. Um, he's among the two or three most impressive. He really is. He's got a lot of featured twice here on the unregulated podcast. Yeah, we, I have to tell you something right it, there. Well, you know, we probably featured AOC a couple of times <laughs> yeah, too. Well, that's because you got a crush. I well uh, you after know, this latest rant, I don't know about that crush anymore. Well, for those of you who missed it, um, Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez went on a two uh, minute and thirty second, might have been seventeen seconds, rant about how the. Um, Protests and the riots were all about preservation of white supremacy, and and I'm cleaning it up. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm I can, sanitizing. I can play it, but I don't want to waste no, our listeners' no, time. No, we don't. It's just, it's we just don't. You know, trash. You know it's when she trash. when she is. But I'll put a I'll put the the video. Oh, in, you the, in the show. You know, notes when the congresswoman is focused on what actually is happening, she's actually pretty much on point. But sometimes she just goes full on Marxist on you, and it's weird. And it because you're just. I'm not sure how you two live in the same body together, but she got a Marxist side. She's got a practical side. Um, she's going to be a great senator from New York. Ugh, I feel so bad for New York. Uh, you know what? Her, it, it, between it, Cuomo, what Andrew Cuomo is destroying the 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 level of destruction it, that he is leaving in his path for the state of New York is. Yeah embarrassing as a buffalonian a boy a native buffalonian especially anywhere outside of new york city yeah is being it, is just is treated like a colony yeah well for the city and look what's happening in the city yeah it it's okay look what he's done to seniors oh, I, look what he's done with this covid business for which he got right. his emmy this guy is the worst he's you know he's uh, the the the, the, the not the word he is destroying New York State. Well, his policies, his decisions. I mean, the funny thing destroying is destroying New York. The funny State. thing is, I, his is his 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 dad um, was I disagreed with him on a bunch of different things, but was for the most part in the middle of the fairway. Right? Um, you know what happens? These 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 kids grow up and they're entitled and they get a little disconnected from the world. I mean, Mario, whatever you think about Governor Cuomo, Mario Cuomo now, right? He was a kid who grew up in Queens, right? He, he, he grew up in Queens, legit in the tough part of Queens, right? Um, you know, went to St. John's, hustled, right? Went to law school at night. He was one of those guys, right? Um, you know, first generation 
Um, you know, his parents came over from Italy. He made it happen, and his, you know, he he um, is responsible for two really unsavory human beings. While we're talking about New York, I want to talk about Andrew Yang no, real quick. No, 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 no. You, you stepped on my lead. Okay, go ahead. But fortunately, somebody is going to save New York, New York City, especially, and that is. <laughs> Can I say it now? New York City always felt like the center of the universe. I grew up an hour north and came into the city with my brother whenever I could. In 1996, I moved to Morningside Heights. I went to my friend's shows. I was in the garden for Larry Johnson's four-point play. Mets Let's go Mets. Ah. I'm sorry, Nicks, but you've been too bad for too long. I came of age, fell in love, and became a father here. Hey guys, thank you. My wife Evelyn is from Queens. Both my sons were born at St. Luke's. Papaya King or Grace Papaya? Grace Papaya. Papaya King. Okay, first of all, he's, he King. already blew the interview. <laughs> he did. <laughs> And it was, it's just so contrived, right? It's just, I feel so bad for politicians because they, I think that instinctively they want to be who they are, but then they get, I know they get they managed, get instructed they get managed to like, <laughs> like turn into these robots, but he blew the interview. He, he picked the Mets. The Mets, as we, as we discussed in our last episode, the Mets are the team of losers. It just, it's, that's the universe, right? It's like. Venus is closer to the sun than Earth. That's just it. The Mets are losers, and their fans are um, sad. <laughs> it, it, anyway, enough of that. The, the thing about Yang is, and 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 the, okay, first off, Morningside Heights isn't really New York, but yeah, he 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 he, he grew up an hour outside. He, he grew up in he grew up in Westchester. I'm so, sure it's in Westchester. Probably not probably far. Neighbors with Sandy. Probably not far from where um, Congressman Casio Cortez, Cortez actually lived. Yeah. Um, it it he's a great he's a, he's a very interesting guy right <laughs> and it's a very interesting commercial I encourage it's about a couple of minutes I encourage everybody it's to go two minutes it, and twenty six seconds yeah, I will spare it, you it's here a political this, commercial uh, right in the show. but he did botch the interview he looks yeah. it like his answer looked like they were poll tested yeah right like how do I like pick up ten percent more in Queens well, I'll pick the Mets yeah and I had they had this it's one so bad they had this one this one African American dude he runs across on the street and he's like you know the great thing is you're out here talking to people and you know and Yang's just sitting there looking at him like thanks like yeah. you could just tell he was like so uncomfortable anyway it was the one thing about Yang that I thought was really interesting and kind of gives you an idea of why New York is so busted um you know when I grew up in New York, um, we all hoped for better, right? We all wanted better. You know, everybody understood New York's the center of the universe, but you didn't want to live in the Bronx or Queens for your whole life. You wanted to move to Manhattan or you wanted to move to the suburbs or whatever, right? You wanted to do something different, right? So at the top of announcing he's going to run, he put this tweet out that said, yeah, you know, I'm ra you know raising two kids in a two-bedroom apartment with my wife working it was just too hard. So we moved out, you know, during the pandemic to some, you know, rental place further up, you know, upstate somewhere, right? Somewhere north of 233rd Street. Anyway, um, and the New Yorkers, to a person, attacked him on it. Um, and, and you know that the, the majority of the comments were, if you can't live in two bedrooms with two kids and a wife and do your job, then, then you're never going to make it in New York. And I thought to myself, that's why New York is broken. Because everybody who lives in New York thinks you're supposed to be miserable. 
You're supposed to be miserable. Um, and Yang looks at it with a fresh pair of eyes. He's like, maybe we shouldn't all yeah. be well, miserable. I have, a, I have another theory, too. And Lay it on me. New York, New York City residents vote for these hopeless lefty, like, you know, caricatures, uh, which then drive the city into, like, a complete, you know, disastrous situation, whether it be the bankruptcies back in the 80s, um, you know, just the the, the sheer level of, of crime um, now. I mean, just you name it, right? And then they'll elect somebody like America's mayor or Bloomberg to kind of fix everything up and then right back in a right back they in get a, back in they're feeling really good and then they just go ahead and elect that same idiot who brings the city down to its knees. Yeah. And it's the cycle that I've noticed at least in my well, I mean, you know, the the, the the um and I've said this to I've said this to everybody who'll sit there and listen, right? Rudy Giuliani is probably more is probably responsible for more wealth creation in New York City than any other human being in the 20th century and let me tell you why I say that. Um, because once New York became safe to live in, you know, in the seventies, New York was bleeding out population, right? But once New York became safe to live in, um, lots of international capital, um, flowed into the city to buy commercial and, um, residential real estate. You know, all those great big giant condo towers over on the West side, those are all owned by, um, Chinese, Russian, and Arab investors for the most part, right? A lot of those condos sit empty. Trillions of dollars flowed into New York specifically because everybody said, okay, it's safe now. We can we can go on. Guy named you know, Bill de Blasio and whoever his successor is, probably going to lose ground on that, right? Andrew Yang is one of seven guys running for mayor. Um, and to give you some idea of just exactly how broken New York City is, his net worth is lower than the other six. Um, it's tough to imagine that, um, you know, rich people are going to make good mayors. They're just not, right? Wilhelm de Blasio, right, one of the original Dutch families who settled the, the Hudson River Valley, you know, you're a rich guy, came with a rich guy's attitude. He doesn't care about what happens. He doesn't yeah, care about the strap. I, I mean, I, Yang, I don't Yang, think Bloomberg did, I think, at least his first legitimate terms until he created the well, third term for himself. I mean, I mean he Bo evolved into a, like... He was uh, terrible. I mean, hardcore lefties. You know, look, the theory in New York has always been this, in New York City, has always been the same. There were three things that needed fixing, right? One was safety and security, right? The cops. One was infrastructure, right? You got to build bridges and, and subways, right? You got to rebuild those. And then the third thing was you got to do something about the public sector unions, right? You got to put the teachers on a leash and the cops and the firemen, all these guys on a leash because they're eventually going to bankrupt the city, right? Um, Bloomberg was supposed to fix the infrastructure. He ran on fixing the infrastructure. He did none of it. Hmm. So, you know, you have this city of 10 million people. That is got infrastructure from the 19th century, and it's and in Yang's commercial, he walks over the Brooklyn Bridge. Then not once does he say, "This is a lovely bridge," but you know what? It's not really functional as a bridge in the 21st century anymore. You know, it dumps it dumps everybody. You know, the Manhattan Bridge, right, just north of it, dumps everybody into the middle of you know um, Tribeca, which is not great either. Um, it, it's a city with some challenges. And, and they could use Andrew Yang, but he's going to show up probably fifth out of seven. Well, it'll be fun to watch. It'll be great, and he's really interesting, and he always says interesting things. Okay. Um, 
Why don't do something a little bit. Including rooting for the Mets. I mean, he lost my vote. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to urge my mother and father-in-law not to vote for him because of that either. And they're Queens people, but they're Yankees fans, thanks to me. All right, uh, I want to do something a little bit different on this show. I've got some articles I want to highlight. I'll put them in the notes, uh, but I want to do kind of a rapid fire, like a... (laughs) Speed round here. So, first of all, former Senator, this is from the Epoch Times. Yeah. Former Senator Barbara Boxer cancels plan to lobby for a sanctioned Chinese company. Yeah, yeah she didn't actually cancel the it. The liberal icon, uh, Barbara Boxer, the champion of the left. So, the- now a lobbyist. For Hickvision, right? The funny thing about that is that Hickvision, for those of you who don't know, guys who um, make and operate security surveillance um, equipment for the Chinese Communist Party. Um, they're instrumental in making sure that the um, Uyghurs stay where they're supposed to be in Zhejiang, right? Um, the great thing about that story is uh, Senator Boxer wasn't concerned at all about her role in 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 the enslavement of human beings. She was concerned about the intensity. She said. She said the response was intense. So she decided Typical to deregister. Left. You know, it's like, it's it's amazing. It's like I'm not sorry that I took the contract. I'm sorry that it created such an uproar. I was going to say, I'm sorry you guys are annoyed. You know, it. it, it it's just, Barbara Boxer. I, I, a Chinese surveillance company. Yeah, man. Blacklisted by the U.S. government. Yeah, it it and and has been for a while, right? It you, these Californians, you know, Diane Feinstein with her driver and Aaron Person, right? Chinese spy. Eric Swalwell <sighs> with it's, his Chinese I mean, spy. They are deep in they are, California. They, they are they, deeply embedded. It makes perfect sense, right? Yeah. California has exported its green has exported its ability to produce anything in the state of California out of a desire to be the greenest yeah. you know con- you know state in the country and and equivalent uh country in the world if if California was a country they're importing ungodly amounts of stuff sure, man. from China sure and by the way we've talked about this they don't count those emissions those, no. Those, no they're exporting those, emissions yeah it it on their on their on their books, Look, they just completely dismiss the fact that they're the that's that's a, a major source of emissions. Sure, is not only the production in China, but the bringing in of those goods into the state of California. Yeah, I mean the thing is, oh, but, but but at least Biden had the sense to return his the donation from Barbara Boxer. Yeah, because that's going to make a, a great a, a lot of difference, right? That that was going to actually that's where I was going to go. You know, this thing with Boxer uh, kind of highlights that um, that China is now a secular problem, right? The Biden the Biden team, whatever they want to do with China, are now going to have to do the right thing on China, and and they're boxed a little bit. They're totally boxed in because everybody now. Everyone who reads the papers, um, which means most of your opinion and thought leaders. Um, now knows that China is a bad actor and that they enslave people and that they engage in compulsory abortions and that they're just not good, right? And 
that's going to severely limit the Biden's administration, the Biden administration's ability to do anything. And this Barbara Boxer thing is instructive because I bet you 10 years ago it wouldn't have happened. The other thing is I'm waiting for Dave Vitter to do the right thing, right? He represents him too. Um, he needs to cut that cord. Um, and that's the thing about it, right? All these, all these um, relationships are ultimately going to come to light. If I was taking money from China, I would start thinking about what am I going to do with that hole in my budget when I have to cut these guys off? Because it's just a matter of time. We are eventually going to know everything. Uh, just to bring it full circle, when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez criticized Boxer for becoming a corporate lobbyist, she responded vehemently, how how do you abuse power when you're out of power? <laughs> so How dare you? How dare you question my greatness? Yeah. And uh, related to that, another another article from the Wall Street Journal Trade Chief Lighthizer urges Biden to keep tariffs on China. Um, in his nearly four years in office, U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer helped move protectionism from the fringes of American policymaking to the core. His advice to the Biden administration, stay the course, keep tariffs on China, all of them, even if that raises prices for U.S. businesses and consumers, he said. Weaken the World Trade Organization so that it can't overrule U.S. policies and make it harder for American companies to move overseas, despite the cost to their competitors. Long, mm. long interview. Uh, quote: We change the way people think about China. We want a China policy that thinks about the geopolitical competition between the U.S. and an adversary, an economic adversary. Yeah, you, you know, I know, I know. <laughs> Just one little quick. Dis dis no, no. Seventy-year-old Mr. Lighthizer, tall, gravelly voiced, and pugnacious. Yikes. Was the engineer who helped steer the Trump's uh, uh, economic confrontation with China. Now, all reports are that he's working very well with the incoming. Yeah. And that uh, she has largely mirrored. Yeah, I think the, that's that, right. That they don't really intend to move in a radically different direction on, on all of this I, I, stuff. I don't think they're uh, going to. Pointing I, back to the. Yeah, I don't think they're going to. You know, there's there's two things. And, and I, I wrote this in my memo yesterday, which I'm sure you, everyone has read. Um the two things real quick. One, one is the Biden administration is going to be um, locked in place on China, and they're going to be locked in place on the Middle East. I know they think they're going to pivot towards Iran, but the velocity of the um, Israeli and Arab engagement is going to preclude that. Right? They're going to they're going to get they're going to get there. Find a changed world. That's thing one. Thing two is um, there are two people, three people, who really deserve credit um, for finally pointing out that the. Um, Chinese Communist Party is not, in fact, a force for good in this planet. Um, President Trump is one, right? Uh, Bob Lighthizer is two, despite I know your personal reservations I know the about third, Bob. I know the third one. Mike Pompeo. I know. Yeah. I'm just going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, it's very obvious. And, 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 and those, I don't, you know, we glide over it, but American politics have been pretending something other than that for 20 years. So... If for no other reason, those three should be given some kind of credit um, in the public sphere, sphere for it, right? Because it's, hey, if it wasn't for those three, Barbara Box would still be making a kajillion dollars helping to make yeah, sure that well, the Chinese I mean, this, can continue to slay people. to continue. And, and yeah. honestly, like, even though we just do energy, there are so many over – I, our organization, you do more than yeah, energy. No, it, it, there it, are so many areas where this hasn't has, – has, um, you know – Real impact. Real impact. And, uh, you know, I think that there is no, there is no downside to keeping uh, keeping the, the pressure on. The one thing that uh, 
the journal points out, the article points out that where Biden diverges slightly, uh, because they do say that they largely share these views, but they want to go be beyond unilateral action and sign up allies. And they're going to, they are not well, going to be there. I don't see the part that bothers which me. Which allies? About... Maybe Australia? Well, that's the, okay. So, so see. And I don't mind pursuing allies, but it shouldn't forego unilateral. No, no, action. that's right. It shouldn't. But, but what they don't understand is, is that, is that um, Secretary Pompeo, right, has already knitted this together. Um, you know, you, you, they call themselves the Quad, and it's the United States, it's Australia, it's Japan, uh, and it's India. Right, it's the four regional competitors to China in the Pacific, in the Indo-Pacific. Um, Mike's already had a bunch of meetings with them. You know that's going to survive, right? Because it makes good sense to knit together. Um, you know the three English-speaking countries in the Pacific Rim, right? India, um, Australia, the United States. I'm sure New Zealand's going to join up as soon as rugby season's over, or whatever they wait for there, and um, and then Japan, right? The third largest economy in the world. It. I think it's great. And I think it's you know, let me diverge for a second, loop back to um, energy. It's directly related to energy. You know, there's no way in the world that any of the Biden administration's um, plans for energy are going to be able to happen without an increased reliance on um, China and the Chinese Communist Party for resources and manufacturing capacity with respect to solar and battery storage and lithium and all that other stuff, right? Um, cobalt, all that other stuff. And that's going to be a moment of reckoning. At some point, somebody's going to have to decide how much of this stuff do we really want? And do we really want to engage ourselves, you know, embrace the Chinese more than we have? I think, you know, most people, I don't know what most people in D.C., most voters are going to like, no. And that's going to be, like I said, a moment. Yeah, and you know one other indicator that um, the incoming trade representative is going to, you know, largely not not depart very far is that she actually corralled the votes in the House for the U.S. Mexico Canada agreement. Yeah, so, so she's been already working on this. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so moving on. I was going to say lightning round. Lightning round. Uh, Group unveils. This is from E and E News. Group unveils path to 100% EV sales by 2030. <laughs> the brand new constructed. Oh, I'm gonna butcher the name of this thing. The Z, zero emission transportation. Yeah, zero emissions transportation. Zeta. 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 They have their policy platform now. Yeah. I, by the way, I read that thing. It's it. It's not actually doesn't tell you how to get to a hundred. No, no. Well, it tells you how to get to a hundred gazillion taxpayer subsidies. Yeah, exactly. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's breathtaking. It, Third, okay, so expanding the EV tax credit, sure, which is a you know obviously been, been a must-have for these people. Investing thirty billion in EV charging infrastructure and setting aggressive new clean car standards which of course means mandates so the the old playbook is here subsidies yeah um you know uh, infrastructure giveaways cash just plain cash and then lastly mandating market yeah share yeah it, right it, so so much for market so much for consumer preference. So much for we're, we're completely out the window. We're, we're right? living in a world in which marijuana is getting legalized and cars are getting outlawed. It, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line of this plan is to 
outlaw p- cars that people actually buy now and make them buy what, what the other guys want to buy. That, I mean, I, there's a lot more to that plan, tax credits and charging <laughs> stations just, and levy. But at the end no, of the day, just the end of the day, the federal. message is pretty clear. Either either buy what we're telling you to buy or we're going to outlaw what you want to buy. And it's it's see, you look at these next two years as like terrible things or four years, however long the regime's gonna last, right? It's terrible. I kind of look at it like MacArthur, right? When when MacArthur was sitting in Japan wasting what's left of his wasting what was left of his life, you know, doing the occupation of Imperial Japan, Korean War started, comes in, and what does MacArthur say to his wife upon learning that the um, Chinese have jumped across the Korean border? And launched an assault in South Korea. You know, his wife says, what's going on? And he said, it's one last gift to an aging warrior. And that's how I think about these two or four <laughs> years. <laughs> this is one last gift to us aging warriors. It's going to be I'm so not, much fun. I'm I mean, not prepared to, to endorse <laughs> that statement. I know I'm coming to grips and to terms with my multi-decades on this earth now. But I'm not prepared to say this is my last gift I feel oh, like I, I got hope, a few more fights. I hope in I have a few more too. But uh, besides, I don't have much of a choice because I got three kids that I have you know to put maybe we'll, college. Maybe still. we'll just call it a gift to an aging warrior. Uh, and this stuff, this this, I mean, it, like I said, I can put a lot of hair on it. But the Zeta's plan is, we're going to outlaw the stuff you want to buy. That's how you get to we're going to subsidize the stuff that we're going to make you buy. That's a hundred, which th- is your money already to begin with. And and I mean, this stuff is crazy, but like. Yes, we're we are we are just not visionaries. We just do not see that. You know, I think someone just called it a tipping point. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell was paid by GM to to say we've hit a tipping point on electric vehicles. I'm like, when is two percent? It's a tipping market penetration. A tipping point for anything. It's It's insane. It's a tipping point. Shut up. And their new logo sucks, by the way. It's terrible. Whose new logo? GM. I haven't seen it. Oh my god! It looks like a. It looks like a. I don't know what to, how to describe it. The font is horrible. I. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's good. It's like, they. they you know, no longer capital letters, lowercase, with some squiggly, really weird. I'll put it in the. I'll put it. Okay. I'll put an article. I'm going to take your word for it. I. You know. Terrible logo. Terrible. I did see terrible the gl- decision to go all in on EVs. I did see the Gladwell thing, which you know I. I'm sensitive to the fact that Malcolm Gladwell is a big brain and thinks about these things, but he's not right about everything. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, he, he's he's subject to the same original sin as the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sure, I'll I'll sure send that tweet out. What's it What's hey, it worth to here's you? Here's my Here's my wiring information. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the policy platform of Zeta uh, will be in the show notes for you all to plow through. Uh, I'll save you all the trouble. They want to spend ungodly amounts of your money to promote a product that they then want to require us to purchase. There so, you go. And by the way, I was at the car dealership the other day. Um, I still own GM cars. It's I guess it's just this silly like uh, loyalty thing of mine, uh, given that my family practically almost all of my mother's generation worked at at one time or another at GM. So I'm I'm hanging out waiting for the oil change, and uh, the dealership was uh, absorbed. They absorbed a Cadillac dealership, so now they're marketing Cadillacs. Nice. I walk into the showroom. I look around. I'm like, ooh, look at this nice Escalade. Yeah, man. Fully loaded, premier version, 2021 model. Want to know what the sticker was on that bad boy? 
85,000 bucks. Nope. North. Good Lord, really? North. 100,000 bucks. South. Oh. $96,474. That's a lot. For an Escalade. That's a lot. How much of that is yes. the subsidy? For How the, much of it is cross-subsidization? Cross-subsidization for the vehicles that they want to produce and they know they're going to make take a, take a bath on. Probably unbelievable. Some chunk, right? If we could find, if we could know the answer to that question, we could really. Yeah, we need to figure out the. Anyone uh, out there, any of our hundred listeners, can you lead us into how to calculate the hidden subsidy for the the compliance cars? Yeah, what's the internal subsidy? Um, and then I was looking at another car, and it was like a glorified Malibu, right? I own this Malibu. Yeah. It was a Cadillac XT something or other, right? I looked in the interior; it's like the same, same interior, just same a car, just a different nameplate, a little bit bigger. Yeah. Nice stitching on the seats. It was like 46K. Yeah. Well, you're paying. You're, I some, mean, it was a Malibu. Yeah, but for 46K. See, see GM They don't even have the, they no longer even have the cool little thing on top, right? They stopped yeah. making those those medallions. G- GM on cats? Or really? On the cats. They don't, they don't, see, I mean, they haven't done those see, in a long GM, time. The, and this is the logo's still there, but it's embossed on the car somewhere. Yeah, GM's still got this idea in their head that you graduate over time from Chevrolet to Pontiac to Oldsmobile to Cadillac. Is that right? I think that's right. Buick? Whatever. And, um, you know, that I don't know of a single American who thinks that anymore, but that's the way they think. So, you know, the Cadillac nameplate to their mind is worth a bunch. Could be why nobody buys CADs anymore. Yeah, well, that's, I think, the reason they were able to get this dealership on a steal. Yeah, so. it's kind of sad. Anyhow, I wish our friends at Zeta a lot of luck um, to put a, to, to wrap this part of the show. I'll, I'll do a <laughs> the, quote the, from the, there. This rapid. New executive director. This is rapid for us. <laughs> <laughs> Their new executive we'll, we'll, director. We'll refine the rapid round, but, you know, for this, it's this, a start, right? It's all a work in progress. Ben, ben Until we get to episode number 20, it's just going to be a little rough here thing. and there, right? It's, ben this is a really unique time for us. Oh, boy. Certainly at the time of a new Congress coming in, a new presidential transmission, transition, transmission, to be putting forward a plan like this is actionable. And that we can really leverage to see a big difference, Zeta Executive Director Joseph Britton said on a Zoom call, uh, yeah. the former Chief of Staff to Senator Martin, Martin, Martin Heinrich, Heinrich, who Democrat, who Mexico. who um, Susan Mar- Susanna Martinez once described as quote a hippie. <laughs> she said when he first got to New Mexico, he didn't even have any shoes on. All right, next article: Flood hit city heads to Supreme Court over climate challenge. This is also E&E. I guess I was plowing through E&E the last couple days. So SCOTUS has agreed to hear a case about where the Baltimore versus big oil lawsuit can be adjudicated. Oh, because 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 very narrow. Because the oil guys want to go. Because the oil guys want it all to go to federal court. Yeah. so this is uh, Baltimore wants basically BP to pay them to clean up Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, and Chevron, I think, is also named in it. Um, so I guess we'll once we know the outcome of this court case, it'll it'll have a ripple effect on all of these other cases. So this is a, a first test, if you will, for the new Supreme, Supreme Court with respect to at least standing in these climate suits. I guess. Any thoughts, comments? 
Yeah, I mean, underwhelmed. The, yeah, well, I'm underwhelmed. I mean, the whole purpose of this exercise is not to is not. They know they can't win in court, right? The whole purpose of the exercise is to get some or all of the um, majors to settle, right? Do what they did to tobacco. Um, you know, nick them up in the court of public opinion and get money out of the majors. Um, like I said, just like the tobacco settlement, um, it's a it's a it's now pretty a, a pretty popular approach with the trial lawyers. And I and you know you have a it, it works when you have a small group of very wealthy companies, and that's what we have a small group of very wealthy companies, several of whom are. Um, Oh, how do we say this without hurting our friends' feelings? Several of whom could could stand to have an injection of some intestinal fortitude. Yeah, I think some of them are. I think that some are dragging the other ones, uh, you know, along in the in the right direction. I should say, but yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it, in, in a lot of ways, you create this mess when you start to apologize for your business model. It, it, but we're, um, we're talking to UBP. The other thing that needs to be uh, remind our our listeners need to be reminded of is a lot of these suits have have stemmed from AG AG depart uh, attorneys general offices from states who have implanted into their organizations yeah, yeah, yeah. who've gotten guys whole lawyers who are being paid by the Bloomberg Foundation yeah by the Bloomberg operation sure yeah and that's you so. know that's something nobody ever talks about is that can you imagine if we had if we had guys sitting in um, district attorney's offices and attorney general's offices, the state, paid for by the Cokes or Exxon. Um, you know, we do a terrible, and this is our fault, right? We do a terrible job of naming and shaming these but fellas. But it's, it's, but it, yes, we do, but we, we don't have an audience because the media does not consider that a bad thing. The media considers a revolving door only if you have experience in business. Yeah, and you go into government. Yeah, there's a uh, one of these members wants to you know clamp down on anybody who worked in the Trump administration to be able to earn a living, right? By like upping all the you know the link the Lincoln Project guys. No, I don't know. It was the Democrats who introduced the bill? But the point of this is, is that I've had this run or go around with with reporters as well, where I have highlighted the revolving door in the green yeah. community, the fact that NRDC is a several hundred million dollar a year organization well yeah but and there's no revolving door there well that's because none of those guys ever register as lobbyists i mean that's what they tell you you know the idea that the idea that the office of public integrity of justice is going to check those guys come on yeah yeah no we, we we need to do a better job we need to understand okay that's a hurdle and we need to start getting it out into what the, into okay the so what is system. what is a bigger threat the lawsuit sort of replicate the tobacco trial lobby type situation or this ESG stuff that's going on in corporate Oh, I don't think this culture. yeah the I'm more worried about the the climate lawsuits cuz I worry about the weak sisters folding and taking everybody with them the ESG stuff um, so a friend of mine runs something called the international Oh, what is it? Is the the International Something Derivatives Association, um, the International Derivatives Association, um, and uh, what they do? They they just released and don't ask me any questions because I don't even know what the hell this means. But they released a derivatives product where that that can help people make money off ESG compliance, right? So 
you know, the finance guys <laughs> are both terrible and wonderful at the same time because they look at something like ESG and say, okay, sure, you want us to do that? We're happy to do it. We'll do it. Sure, we'll do it. We'll do it. By the end of it, they're going to figure out a way to make money at it and minimize all the costs to it, right? It's just, it's not, at the end of the day, the ESG thing is going to be um, what most corporate things are, right? A lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of talk and nothing else. Uh, because the people doing, the people driving it don't, have no conception of how um, guys in the C-suite and the suite right below um, attack things, right? They just have no idea how they how they approach things. Well, I, I look at it a little differently. I look at it as they, they realize and know that the traditional conventionals are going to figure out how to yeah. get financing, sure. make money, blah, 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 beep. But then they're looking for new markets. They're looking for new things for yes for them to and to be able to invest in they're looking yeah. and this is what this run in and all these green publicly traded companies well, is is the anticipating the the bonanza that biden you know the spending spree that the congress is going to go on on these things they're sure. way overvalued sure um and they're pumping money into like you know te- i mean tesla is not worth what the stock price is don't of course not it's heavily inflated. Of course not. But but it's a it's a it's a it's at this point it's a complete hedge play. And that, you know that's the thing about it, right? The the um the market as a whole is totally overinflated at this point because the Fed has driven everybody to equities by running by running the interest rate to zero or twenty five basis points. I'm not terribly worried about it. The ESG part, I'm not terribly worried about. Anytime you get um. Anytime you have a vague, poorly defined thing like this, you, I'm not. I don't worry about it. What I worry about is when you have a set of defendants who I know, some of whom are looking for an opportunity to throw their hands up and their guns down. That's that's when you got to worry. All right, another one. Enbridge. This is from Reuters. Enbridge rejects Michigan governor's notice. It must shut down Line Five. Canadian. Pipeline company Enbridge said it will not comply with Gretchen Whitmer's notice, ordering it to shut down Line 5 in May after terminating the easement for the oil and gas dual pipeline in the Straits of Mackinac in northern Michigan. Quote, the state lacks authority to terminate or revoke the easement. Yeah. A move that it says would wrongly displace the role of the federal pipeline administrator. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah, well, you know, someone's standing up to the tyrant. Yeah, they, they, like always, you know, now that it's starting to, now that it has the potential to cost them real money, they're focused. I'm, 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 I have to admit, I was kind of impressed by it myself. Another good news story: uh, oil and gas company invests over. This is from a local piece, um, KTAL in no, Louisiana. But- over $400 million in takeover of Shreveport Schlumberger operations. This is Chris Wright with Liberty Oil Services Company, who um, recently acquired a big chunk of Schlumberger. Yeah. Chris is a optimistic, happy warrior. We've had him on the on the IR oh, good. podcast a couple of times. He's been very vocal about the benefits of oil and gas for the, for the world. Um, and the mayor of Shreveport is just like just showering Chris with praise for this for this investment. 
So I wanted to plug that because I, I just, I think the world of Chris, um, and I'm really glad to see that uh, his company is, is doing as well as it is. Good. So Great. And then we have um, one from the Daily Mail. <laughs> Bill Gates is accused of hypocrisy after joining bidding war to buy the world's largest private jet operator. Yeah, let me fix one it. One month before he, he releases his book. Preaching about climate change. Yeah, let me let me fix that headline for you. Bill Gates is guilty of hypocrisy. You know, it. <laughs> it, it, it I, look, I have no idea. Who else? Who else is in the bidding? Blackstone, of course. See, that's why it's so hard to take these finance Blackstone. guys seriously. You know, it, it, it's Cascade. Bill, Bill, Microsoft boss's company, Cascade Investment, entered the bidding war. For British private jet servicing company Signature Aviation, Cascade teamed up with the Blackstone Group to make a $4.3 billion bid. Yeah, and no doubt all those planes are going to be super green and not run on aviation fuel. It, I have no earthly idea why we look at Bill Gates and think he knows he knows anything. I mean, he basically copied – you know, I probably need to be careful here. I really – I love it, how you it, check it, yourself it, and it, then proceed anyway. It, it – it, well, I come from a long line of cops <laughs> and lawyers. It it he basically he wrote an operating system um, that was very similar to others that were in operation at the time. How about if I say it that way? He's a great salesman, but he's not like a genius. Nor is he a doctor, but he plays one in right. the COVID crisis. I, I don't understand. I, I look, I pointed it out because it's just exactly you know, there the, is no end to the hypocrisy. I, the, the COVID thing always bothers me. Like this guy, he, and I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a credential, right? didn't even finish college. He doesn't know uh, thing don't, one about, about biology. I mean, he, he doesn't he, know he, thing he, one about biology. I, he doesn't know anything about epidemiology, biology. Yeah, but Dr. I, Dr. Gates is out there telling us the, the what what about, about the vaccine. I am beginning to conclude that rich people, all of them, are a danger to society. <laughs> all of them. Including the ones who start out not rich but then end up being rich. Especially. For, the ones on Capitol Hill, I'm referring to specifically. I know you're talking about all of them. I am, I am, I am seriously wondering if Joe Biden isn't onto something with his 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 um, plan to um, hit people making more than four hundred thousand bucks a year in the chops. I, I truthfully, Gavin Newsom's got this wealth tax idea out there. I'm not sure I'm opposed to it anymore. All right. So so far, every week this in this 2021 season has been a bit of a dumpster fire <laughs> next week will be no exception with the inauguration driving into town. The entire city looks like a DMZ. Yeah. It is insane. To it the, is absolutely it's insane. It's a ghost town. You know, the thing that struck me coming in Jersey barriers are everywhere. There are national guard all over the place. Well, with, with I mean, I've never seen anything like neither it have I. And I've been through, I've been through, four or five inaugurations up here now where I worked on the inside of them. I never seen anything like it either. You know, the thing that struck me that really struck me K street, the close K street from 10th street in, the, um, which is no parking available anywhere. It's for crazy the talk. week and a half. The, the other thing that strikes me, I got to think more about this, but we got 20,000 troops, right? I mean, these guys are sleeping. I don't know if you saw the pictures, the guys are sleeping with their guns at the ready, right? Which is, um, which is typically only done in combat situations, yeah. right? I mean, these guys are literally sleeping with their guns yeah, on their I bellies. Um, 
what, how? I want to say this really carefully. What does the government think of its people? We have more troops here in this probably four square mile area than in all of Iraq and Afghanistan. You, it, 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 if you're that afraid of your citizenry, you, you, you may be in the wrong line of work. I was thinking about this about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, whenever George Bush was president. He blocked off Richmond Airport to fly in to pardon some turkeys somewhere, you know, somewhere in the you know, Richmond area, somewhere in central Virginia, right? But they closed the airport for an hour while he landed and got out of there. And I thought to myself, how afraid are you of us that you have to close an airport? I mean, you, it's not even like... You know, you closed a road while he drove past. He closed an airport. And I was sitting there like in that traffic jam. I wasn't mad. I was just thinking to myself, what is wrong? What has gone wrong in this country? The prime minister minister of the United Kingdom, the prime minister of the United Kingdom walks around with like two guys. This is this, this imperial presidency and Republicans, Democrats, all of them, it's got to stop. Yeah. I mean, look, every time they shut something down, I, I, I bow my head. I, I worry about it because, like, you know, when when Clinton shut down 16th Street right in front of the White House, I said, you know, the first thing Dole should do, not that he won, but we should announce that if he's elected, he's going to reopen that Yeah, street. I said the same thing. Capital's going to get locked down. It's going to be just as hard to get there. To get there. And you see even these, these guards have never seen the, the rotunda. Yeah. You know, it's an awe-inspiring thing to see, and it's gone. It yeah. is gone. Yeah, but I was, you know, so. it's, it's funny. I was looking at the, I was looking at the guard guys getting their, getting a history lesson from Brian Mast, right? Yeah. Who, who was a uh, in the army for ten years, lost two legs in Afghanistan. Yeah, don't give me, don't give yeah, me started Jake, on Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper. Jake, Jake Tapper's a horrible person. He's a terrible. Person. He's, a, he's, a, he's a, you, uh, are we uh, going to get sued for that? No, no, that, no, no, it's okay that, to call that, somebody that, a terrible person. Okay, <laughs> okay. especially <laughs> especially if they're a terrible person. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean. I've actually said in the past. I thought he was very, very measured in the past, but he's completely unhinged now. What kind? Well, he used, he started off as a print guy. Usually, guys who start yeah. off as print guys are better. But who says that kind of thing? Anyway, Mast is giving this talk to these 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 guard guys. We'll throw his ridiculous comments in the show. A- notes and they right. and the thing that struck me with the guard guys is they look like soldiers everywhere. Yeah, you know they kids. look they're just kids. You know, I, I was looking at the face of a first lieutenant, right, and I. I Expanded the thing so I could see the the badge of rank on um, on the front of his uniform, right? Um, and he was a young lieutenant. He looked just like my kid, yeah, just like my kid. And I thought to myself, eh, what you know, what does it come to? And how afraid are you really of all of this? Yeah, it's just I I really anyway. Um, God bless this amazing country. Um, we'll get through it. I'm sure we will. Um, I just every time something like this happens, we lose a little bit of yeah, man. of what makes us us. Yeah, what makes I this agree. country what it is. So, all right, no, um, no clip of the day, but let's wait, um, wait, 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 wait. Football picks. I'm oh, gonna, sorry, yeah, sorry. Football yeah. picks. Okay, last week I was two for five. It's okay. But the one that mattered, two for four. Two, 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 two out of six. Five. Two out of six. You're two and four. Two or six. Four. Four. Ah, whatever. Was... Anyway, I'll go back and look. I got at two it. right. That's the important thing. You got two right. Okay. And and I really was. A little bit ill-prepared for that. So. Okay. Well, now you're ready. You ready? Sure. Rams and Packers. Um, Not ready. Going with the Rams. Well, Packers would have been a better pick. Uh, Ravens-Bills. 
Bills, baby, all the way. The curse has been lifted. They won their first playoff game in 15 years. 25 years? Been a long time. Browns and Chiefs. Uh, That one I'm going to have to go Chiefs. Yeah, I think so. I'm not rooting for the Browns, but I think the Chiefs are going to win. Uh, Tampa Bay and the Saints. I remind you again. Tampa. <laughs> like, no, no, no. That was the other pick I got right. And I'm just like, I'm looking at this going, oh, I can't believe I just picked the I'm going with the, which old guy am I going with? I don't know. I'm yeah, going to go with the Saints. It was going to say, it's in New Orleans. All right. I'm well, going to go with the Saints. I, I can't go with Tom right Brady two weeks in a row. But if I move to Tampa, I'm very excited because I'll get to watch Tom Brady and the Buccaneers for like the next 15 years or something. The great thing is no one cares about football in Tampa. <laughs> they only care about baseball. They watch the Yankees. All right, everyone. Well, that's a wrap. Uh, we will record next week. Maybe we'll wait until after the inauguration so we can comment on that. But uh, no clip of the day, but we'll come out. We'll, we'll come out of the other side the way we came in. <laughs> Impeached again. He's been impeached again. Uh huh. It's the Phil Collins Power Hour, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Peace out, everybody. See ya. Till next week. <laughs> Subscribe. Tell your friends. We need. We need to break the hundred mark. Tell Go. your. Tell your enemies too. <laughs>